Hello and welcome to another Open Aperture Photography Podcast. My name's Mike Malloy and on this episode I'm going to be talking to landscape photographer Chris Sale. Welcome along Chris. Hi Mike. Thanks very much for coming on. It's a pleasure. Now uh, we're here in the wonderful Wendover Woods, although the weather has just uh, taken a slight turn for the worst. Um, we're just south of Aylesbury in the Chilterns and uh, we've been up early for sunrise uh, this morning, and which we've just finished, and we were lucky enough here to be shooting with Chris this morning, uh, which has been a great learning experience for me. Uh, now Chris, uh, you've got a very successful YouTube channel. Uh, how many subscribers are you on now? Uh, I'm about, uh, I'm going to pretend I don't know off by heart. <laughs> I've got about 9,300, something like that. That's, so I'm just approaching 10,000. Okay, that's, that's brilliant. And um, for listeners who don't know you, could you explain what your channel's about? So I am a landscape photographer, pure landscape photographer. and I live in the Lake District. And I have been um, doing my YouTube channel now for about two and a half years. But I recently left my full-time job. Uh, I used to work in IT. I used to work for Sky. And I recently left that uh, to, so that I could focus on my photography um, and attempt to, to turn professional as a landscape photographer. And so at the moment, my channel is charting that process. Okay. Uh, so when we first met, which was about two years ago, yep. on a weekender shoot in Malvern, uh, which was with fellow YouTube photographer Andrew Maguire, uh, mm-hmm. who we were both fans of and, and still are to mm-hmm. the day. Um, you'd only recently started vlogging at that point, is that right? I've been doing it for, at that point, I started in J- July and we met in October. So what's that? Yeah, uh, a months, two, three months. Yeah, three, four months. Three, four months. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I think when we met, I had, uh, I was just getting started. I had less than a thousand subscribers. Okay. And what was it that made you want to capture your photography trips on YouTube? So I was, um, I wasn't really even aware of YouTube. I don't think I'd ever really watched any YouTube videos or anything like that. And I, um, I bought some new filters or I was always researching filters or something like that. And I was searching Google as you do, and I stumbled across a Thomas Heaton video about filters. Yeah. And so I watched that, and th- that, that was really helpful. Um, and then maybe a month or, or, or so later, um, another thing that I subscribed to or something kind of shared some photo photography articles, and one of them was another Tom video, another Thomas Heaton video. And so I, I watched that, and at this time he was shooting in the Lake District, which is where I, where I, where I live, and he was shooting a view that I knew. And, and I was really kind of hooked from, from then on. Um, and it was about six months after that um, that I decided that I wanted to start my own channel and, and okay. kind of share my journey. Um, you know, I think as, as with, with all photographers in social media these days, you know, we like to get our work out there. And, and for years, I, I tried to share my work on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and, and really didn't get anywhere with it. Um, but as soon as I started on YouTube, I started to get a lot more attention around my work and, and I found it was a real good way to, to share my passion with photographers all over the world. Um, the, the, the thing that happened really for me that kind of cemented it as something that I really wanted to pursue was the number of people that I met through it in the early days. So yourself, um, but also really good friends of mine. Now, a lot of my very good friends came from YouTube. So people like James Burns, Julian Baird, Andy Maguire himself, yeah, yeah. Um, and some of the other guys. And, and I've also met an awful lot of guys that are not YouTubers. Um, so I've, I've made more friends since I started my YouTube channel than at any point in my adult life uh, since uh, about first year of university. Okay. 
And um, I know that you recently made the move to being a full-time landscape photographer. That's right. Uh, was that a tough decision to make? It wasn't difficult. Um, uh, my situation was, although I lived in the Lake District, um, my, um, and I'm, I'm married, I live with my wife, um, although I lived in the Lake District, my work wasn't in Cumbria, it was in Scotland. Uh, I worked in Livingston just outside Edinburgh. And so that meant that I was away from home during the week. Um, my wife and I, had, we, had, we bought a flat uh, in Livingston, so I would drive up on a Monday, and I would drive home on a Thursday night, and then I'd work from home on Fridays. Um, but uh, essentially, I was away from home during the week. And about five years ago, my wife decided that, uh, up until that point, she'd been commuting with me and working in Scotland. She decided that she wanted to remain in, in Cumbria full-time. And so for about four and a half years, we kind of led this we led this separate life. Mm. And um, at the beginning of this year, we went on holiday. Uh, we went to Cuba, of all places. Mm. Uh, wow. A great time. But um, we were sitting around having drinks one night, and uh, Helen mentioned, um, she's just sort of off the cuff, she sort of said, you know, this, this is the first time that we've spent two weeks together in four years. Wow. And although it didn't mean an awful lot of the time, yeah. uh, that little seed had been planted. Yeah, yeah. So that was January of this year, and then um, at the end of April, beginning of May, uh, you know, Helen sort of just just said to me one day that she'd had enough. She'd had enough of this this life that we were we were leading, this separate life. She wanted us to be together, reconnect. And re yeah, and um, so it was her idea that I leave my my IT job. I've been in IT for twenty years. I had reached. A level that I was very very happy with um, so I left when I left Sky I was a principal engineer so I was as, as high up the engineering side as, as I could possibly go it was okay. to go any further I would have had to have gone into management which I didn't want to do uh, so it was time for a career change um, and it was actually her idea that you know said so you put all this effort into YouTube um, you started to make an name for yourself in the industry you know maybe you should dedicate some time to that mm. so it was actually really Helen's idea um, so I'm very lucky to have a very supportive family my wife in particular. okay and if I could take you back in time how did you first develop an interest in photography so I, I started photography in at the beginning of 2006 so I've been doing it now for about 13 years and um, my it was the year I got married um, and we we spent a fortune on our honeymoon <laughs> we spent a fortune on our wedding but we spent a lot of money on honeymoon and you know i thought well if we're spending all this money i ought to i ought to learn how to take some photographs so that i could capture it and we have some memories so i went to jessup's in milton Keynes, which is where you live yep um and i walked in there and i, I bought, bought a camera i bought a, a canon 350d okay yeah and i set about teaching myself how to take photographs um, yeah, and um, I shot everything, you know, portraiture, sports, macro, you know, still life, everything. Yeah. Um, but it, it, my, I am a, a, I don't shoot anything other than landscapes. I'm okay. A, I'm, a, I'm a landscape specialist. Yeah. Um, and really my, it was, it was only when I started to take my camera hiking with me um, that I, that the kind of penny dropped that landscapes is what I wanted to do. Okay. And, um, is there one thing that is the most important thing to consider when shooting a landscape? Um, I think for me, I, I I think for me there's um, there are there are kind of there are kind of three primary elements to a landscape photograph. Um, I think um, 
the most important is subject. Um, so having having a, a clear, defined subject, um, and then the other two elements are, are composition and light. Yeah. Um, so um, what my approach is, I always try to feature a prominent subject in my photographs. Yeah. Often it's, it'll be a man-made structure, something yeah. like a boathouse. And then the composition, um, you're then trying to set the composition to show off that subject to, to, to your be the best of your ability. And then you're looking for light that will complement your subjects in your composition. Yes. And, uh, you know, we, talk, we landscape photographers talk an awful lot about shooting in gold now, which is great. But particularly in the Lake District, there are many locations, many compositions that actually favour more dramatic scene, uh, more, dra dra more dramatic light, heavy overcast skies, that sort of thing. So it's... Yeah. My approach is picking out a subject, you know, finding a composition that you like and then trying to match the light to that composition. Okay, so in your opinion then, what makes a great photo when you look at other people's photography? I think... Um, it's a very, very difficult question to answer. Um, one of the things that I think is really, one of the things that's specific to me as a photographer is I tend not to look at other people's work too much. Um, I, I, I find, um, rightly or wrongly, that I, I try to avoid being heavily influenced by other photographers. I like to try and make my own way and make my own decisions and, and, and um, be the master of your own destiny almost. I guess so. And yeah. um, I'm, I'm very cautious. I, I, I re really don't look at an awful lot of other Lake District photographers. Work. Okay. Um, I like to try to um, you know, be, as you say, the master of my own destiny. My, probably the, the photographer that's influenced me the most um, is uh, a landscape photographer called Michael Kenner. Yes. Yeah. And he, is, he shoots predominantly black and white, yeah. exclusively black and white. He's a film photographer. Um, and you know, very, very drawn to his images, and his style has influenced me. So when I talk about having a strong subject, that is something that Michael has, has you know, really influenced me and how he's affected my photography. And he also has very simple compositions, mm. and I think things that, that, that kind of stand out to me. Um, you see so many grand vistas and, and amazing skies on platforms like Instagram and Facebook these days. And I think um, often what leads, what, what jumps out at me is, is, is images that have a, have a real simplicity to them. Now, this isn't something that I've necessarily been able to put into my own work. Yeah, he's um, very unique, Kenner, isn't he, with how he sees I think so, something. yeah. He was, he was a real kind of, um, he was a, a real leader in, in his field yeah. when, he was, when yeah. he first started. And I think, I don't, I don't know if Michael actually sees himself as a minimalist photographer, mm. but uh, certainly a lot of his images have those qualities. Looking back when you started this journey, both just in photography and as a professional now, um, where did you think it was going to lead you? Did you have a, a, any particular pathway in mind that you thought, I bought this Canon camera, I, I, I wouldn't, I'd like to be one day, I'd like to be a professional landscape photographer, or did you have other avenues in mind, maybe as a wedding photographer or something? Or I. So, that, so there, there was never any grand plan. Yeah, I have to be really honest with you. Capture the memories, maybe. Of, uh, of... I, I think, uh, I, I, like I said, I've been interested in in photography for about thirteen years, and um, 
I, I kind of really got seriously interested in it about, um, about four years ago when I, when I kind of invested a bit more in, in my kit, the gear that I still use today. And it was all about um, giving me uh, a, more of an excuse to go out and enjoy. So I was living in the Lake District, but I perhaps wasn't getting out as often as I would. And, and photography and landscape photography is one of those things where it rewards you for, for uh, getting out and um, seeing the landscape and seeing the world at the right time of day and the right time of year. So yeah. if you make that effort, yeah. it really rewards you. Um, and so photography for me really was just a way of encouraging myself to get out and see more um, and exploring the Lake District. And then over time, rather, it kind of reversed and I started to go out specifically to take photographs. Okay. Okay. Uh, so let's talk gear then. Um, I'll, I'll do the silly question first. Is, is there any gadget or gear that you've got that you really wish you hadn't bought? I've got a wide-angle lens, and I, don't, I, I bought a, I bought a sixteen to thirty-five mil lens, and I'm not very good with it. Okay. Um, I, I, again, I try to make my images as simple as they possibly can, and I find that. Um, foreground interest often distracts from subjects I'm not a big user of foreground and so this wide angle lens that I've got I, I do struggle with it and it wasn't it wasn't you know these, these things they're grand you know yeah, yeah, it's a lot or thereabouts it's a lot of money and uh, you know it's, it sat in my bag for six months initially and it rarely came out but I'm not one for kind of gadgets I've kind of as a, as a landscaper my gears my gears pretty it's pretty standard. I've got a decent tripod. So, what what is your your daily camera gear that you? So, use? I use a Canon. Uh, I use a Canon 60. So, yeah. I use a full frame uh, Canon camera with 20 megapixels, um, and this allows me to print at 300 DPI up to A3, uh, 150 DPI at uh, A2. Yeah. Uh, so, I use that. I have uh, three lenses. I have my favourite lens, which is a, a standard lens, a 24 to 70. Uh, F4. All my lenses are F4. I, okay. I don't have F2 lenses. And is, was there a conscious choice with that, or did yeah, it just happen that way? Value or? For price. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, I never shoot at F2. I, I shoot at F11 or F8 or F16. You know? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, the extra cost and the I don't need the, 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 the F, I don't need an F2 2.8, which would be more expensive. Uh, so I've got that. I've got a, a 70 to 200 telephoto, and I have a 16 to 35. I use Lee filters, so my filters are actually my second combined, they're my second biggest investment after my camera body. Um, and then I have a Benro, a big, big Benro. It's a big stand. Proper it big, big Benro. So I'm 6'5 <laughs> and my, my yeah. tripod comes up to forehead height. Wow. Okay. And, and do you have a favourite lens out of all of those? I, I, you would go, if, your go you, to lens? I, I shot pretty much for two years with just a 24 to 70, it never came off the camera. and. You know, if you took away the other two lenses, I'd be fine. Yeah, right. if you're on a desert island and you could only save one. Yeah, yeah, it'd be yeah, that would be yeah, the one. Yeah. And um, do, do you, uh, because photography techniques and equipment are always changing, do, do you feel it's important to stay up to date with, with gear and, and anything? I, I, or? I'm not really a gear person. Um, and it's very easy to say having got decent decent kit, but I'm not somebody that pours over magazines or stays up to date. So my you know, my camera has already been replaced and was replaced two or three years ago. Yeah. And I have no intention, even as a pro, uh, to upgrade my camera. I'm not interested in, I don't get excited about gear at all. You know when we've been to the photography show. Yeah. So last year when I went to the photography show, I didn't go on a single, single stand. Okay. I was yeah. there to see my, see my mates and, yeah. and, and yeah. catch up with the guys. Um, 
you know, I've got I've got good kit. I shoot with Canon L series glass. I shoot with leaf filters. Yeah. And beyond that, I'm not that. You've sort of found the plateau, as it were, of yeah, what I think works so. for you, and you're getting the good yeah. results. So why change it? So we were we were talking earlier. I think for me, one of the big concerns now that I'm a professional is what am I going to do in the summer? And landscape mm. photography, particularly in the Lake District, is very very difficult in the summer. It's very very green. There's, there's very very little colour contrast. And so we were talking earlier, and, and I, I think probably what I might do next is invest in a macro lens yeah. and do some macro, some close-ups during the summer. Um, but beyond that, I, you know, gear. Yeah, yeah. Um, a sort of linked question is, is: nowadays everybody's got a lot of devices, such as smartphones and things. Do you, what do you think is the difference between a professional photographer and a hobby photographer who might use a smartphone, for example? I think um, I, I think what's um, beyond quality, yeah. and I know that uh, I know that cameras are catching up. Um, but I actually did I did a comparison or, or I did a video last year where I went out and shot with my smartphone, and I, I've got a Samsung S8, yeah. and it shoots raw, yeah. and I went and I did a, I did the job properly. I went to one of my favourite locations in the Lake District. I went at Sunrise. I've got a beautiful Sunrise. Set it up on a tripod. I did all the manual exposure that comes as part of the camera, a phone sorry, and uh, I, I took a shot in RAW. And then when I went back to edit that, uh, it degraded so badly under editing. Yes. I was amazed. And, I, and I, I, the conclusion that I made was I don't understand why a phone has RAW if it's not going to stand up to editing. Yeah, just shoot yeah I, I've noticed that. We're, we're recording this on, on an essay at the moment and I have shot um, panoramics and things in the past with them and I, I agree, it kind of just breaks down too easily. Yeah, yeah. you get a lot of artifacts and kind of pixelisation yeah. if that's the right word. Uh, could, could you see a time then when a device such as a smartphone would make everyone as good as a professional photographer? Um, that was that's going to come one day? I think I think that image inevitably image quality will we'll get there or thereabouts you know I think yeah. it will and um, we see these huge advances in technology I think one of the things that you can't do you can you can never remove that human element you cannot train something to point yes. at the right direction you cannot train a phone to get up at four o'clock in the morning yes. drive for two hours and stand on a hillside waiting for the sun to be in the right location and I think in that respect we photographers um, you know we have to, we've got nothing to worry about one thing I will say is that anything that brings more people to photography, makes it more accessible, it can only be a good thing. Um, there's, I think a lot of kind of established photographers will look on, on technology like smartphones and the, the, this term that everybody's a photographer is a really bad thing. But photography, um, for me, has so many more benefits than the image itself. Yeah. Um, you know, getting out, enjoying the countryside, you know, seeing the world for yourself mm. firsthand. Um, that, you know, regardless of what you're shooting on, being having an interest in photography and capturing still images, you know, that's a, that's only a good thing in my book. Mm, indeed. Um, I was going to talk about influence, but you kind of already touched on that with with, with Kenna. Um, are there any other photographers that you would? put as a uh, as an influence other than Kenner yeah uh, very much so so we, we talked earlier about Tom Heaton and, and it's Tom it's it's very difficult for me to think of any adult male outside of my family that's had a bigger influence on my life 
not so much his photography, but um, you know, encouraging me to get into YouTube. And um, you know, we wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for YouTube. Yeah. I would, we would have never met. Yeah. Um, so Tom has had a huge influence on me. Um, but the other two photographers, really, that that you know, again, that have been a big influence on me, have been Charlie Waite and um, Joe Cornish. Now. Um, I was very lucky to meet Joe this year at the photography show, and uh, he's a, a, a lovely guy, um, very very encouraging. Um, and you know, Charlie again is somebody who has been in the, around the landscape photography community for years, and you know he's done a huge amount for the community. Obviously, he set up the Taking View Landscape Photographer of the Year, and those kind of things. And it tends to be those guys. I, I'm less inspired by other people's photography and more inspired about how they live their lives and the kind of people that they are and what they do to encourage others to take up photography. Okay. And just to sort of round it up a little bit, because the, the weather's starting to turn it's, here where we are it's now. Um, it's getting a bit cold. The rain's about to start. And so I was just interested if you could go back to the person who you were when you first made a YouTube video. Is there one bit of advice that you would give yourself that for then that you know now that would help you? I think that's a really good question. And I know it's a real cliche, um, but I always feel that, you know, if I had my time over again, I would do it exactly the same. I think one of the things that's really, really important in photography as in life is, is allowing yourself to make mistakes. I feel that I learn a lot more from the mistakes that I make uh, than I do from my successes. And I, I feel that... Um, you know, if, you, if, if I were to try and give myself some advice, um, you know, it would be just to embrace the mistakes and to, um, you know, don't be, don't be afraid of making them. I think, um, you know, if we, if we don't make mistakes as photographers, then I don't think we're pushing ourselves hard enough. Mm. And do you hang your own photography at home on your wall, the uh, ones you take? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I don't have as much up there as you might think. Um, I have a few older images up there. Um, we, I say, well, I was going to say recently redecorated my office, but that's it's been it's been a few years now. Um, I, I do need to get some of my work uh, hanging up there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. One of the things I don't, uh, one of the things I don't do is I don't have an awful lot of other photographers' work hanging up, and okay. I think that's something that I've found. Uh, you know, that very few photographers buy other photographers. Yes, work. indeed. Yeah. And as a final question, Chris. Um, it, it may be an impossible question to answer, but if you could never take another picture, is there a photograph, a, one photograph from your past, that you would want to be remembered for? Uh, I don't, I don't know about that. There is one, pho there is one photograph that means an awful lot to me, um, and you know, if I could, if I could pass that on, then, then, then I would. Uh, uh, so, although I. Well, I was shooting the lakes now. I was I was brought up in this area. I come from Aylesbury, um, and there are some reservoirs uh, in near Marsworth, which is where I where I grew up as a child. Um, and I went there one morning, and uh, I took a photograph across the reservoirs uh, in the opposite direction from the rising sun. This was very very early on, first year of taking photography, and a beautiful glow on the horizon. You know, you get that glow on the horizon opposite the rising sun. Is it? Delta Venus or something like that. Yeah, yeah, similar. Uh, and it was a very frosty morning, and there are some big old uh, kind of iron workings for the for the reservoirs up there. And I, I've got one of those in the photo, and I've got the reservoir, and open water, it's a beautiful clear sky, 
this beautiful glow. And I, I remember looking at that view and the scene um, and just thinking, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for photography. I wouldn't have seen this. And that was when the penny dropped for me. And that's when, when I, I realised what photography was all about for me. Um, the image is an image that I'm still very proud of to this day, but it's more about the memory that it invokes and, and that realisation that photography is more about the image, more, more than just being about the image, it's about the experience. Okay. And uh, would you like to tell the listeners how they can get hold of you, uh, social media or website? Yeah, so uh, I'm on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Um, my hand, my my username is Chris Sale Photo. I also have a website which is chrissale.co.uk and anybody who wants to come up to the Lake District um, there is a location guide on my website um, which features my 32 favourite locations in the lakes yeah. across the the five regions um, yeah, so there's a lot of good information on there. I also write a weekly blog which I, I accompany my videos that, that's kind of sharing my journey as a, as a photographer. Okay well Chris Sale, thank you very much for coming on the Open Aperture Photography Podcast. Thank you for having me. Great to see you again. Yes, you too. And um, thanks very much for listening. Thank you.